put those hands together for Jesus. Put those hands together for Jesus. To God be all the glory. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Real quick, I just want to say uh, to all of our first-time guests, welcome home. Welcome, welcome home. This is your first time. Let me tell you, you are at the best place. You are at the place of hope. And we're just so happy that you're here. Uh, uh, I'm thankful to God for the opportunity that God has given me today uh, to be with uh, you all today. I just want to say this real quick. I, as I was uh, enjoying worship, I got a little emotional because I saw him when he was a little boy. I saw uh, Natalia when she was a little girl. I saw Beverly when she was a little girl. I saw uh, uh, Jobel when he was a little boy. I saw Crystal when she was a little girl. And I'm talking about like six, seven years old. And, and to see them in their, in, their, in their calling and to see them doing what God has called. When I started ministry, my boys were four and three and my daughter was five. And so to see that the youth ministry is thriving, is moving forward, there's a future in this ministry. I am just, I, I almost busted out in tears, but, I, you know, you sir, I had to thug it out. Uh, but I'm just so, I am so blessed to see what God is doing in the life of young people. You'd be surprised how great God can use you if you just make yourself available to him. So I'm just, I'm just honored, I'm blessed, um, and I'm thankful that um, after five years that we started this church, um, I finally get to preach to the youth. <laughs> Amen. The first time in five years I, I get to preach, so, um, so I'm grateful. Um, um, like like uh, Natasha said, this Sunday is Palm Sunday. I want to encourage everyone to come, everyone to come. Now, here's the catch. You, if you're planning on coming, you have to come with earth tone colors. So it's got to be bone white, beige, cream, a little darker shade of beige going to brown. Everybody's going to wear those colors. And it's going to be 360 worship. So it's, 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 if you don't know what 360 worship is, you need to come next Sunday. Because we know what 360 worship is. And it's insane. It's insane. And so I want to encourage every single one of you, don't stay home this Sunday as we come together and uh, uh, celebrate what God is doing. Today, I have the blessing to share week three of your series entitled, Are We There Yet? Are We There Yet? And I believe that week one, uh, uh, Pastor Jose talked about, uh, the title was in the form of a question, which was, where are you? And second week was in another form of a question, which was, where are you going? And so my assignment today is to talk about the theme in form of a question, which is, how do I get there? How do I get there? How do I get there? And for that, I want you to turn, turn on your Bibles and, and, and turn on your phones and open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number 3. And um, I always like to give backdrop of the scripture before we, of, the, of, the, of the book before we read the scripture. Uh, uh, just so you could get some type of information of what was happening during the time of the scripture. First of all, the book of Philippians was written to a church in Philippi. And Philippi was written, and the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul, who happens to write the Apostle, who happens to write this letter somewhere between 61 and 62 after Christ. Okay? Paul starts his public ministry at the age of 30. He starts preaching at 30. So 62, 61 after Christ, he writes this letter. Paul 
is at the beginning of the end of his life. He's towards the end. He done, he done already wrote the book of Romans. He done wrote the book of 1st, 2nd Corinthians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy. He, he, done, he done wrote most of his books. This was one of his last books that he's writing to the church of Philippi, which was a Greco-Roman church. And by that, what I'm trying to tell you was there was a lot of philosophies that were reigning in the time of the church. People were driven more to philosophies than they were to theology. And it was in that context, at the age practically of 90 years old, that the Apostle Paul finds the energy to write a letter to the, to the church in Philippi, who, by the way, when he's writing this letter, the dude's locked up in jail. He's locked up in jail. His age, working against him. Prison ain't helping him. The church he's writing to is in a philosophical mindset, surrounded by a lot of uh, 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 deisms, plurality of gods. And it is in that context that he writes the verse that your bell read, I can do all things through Christ. He's not writing this at the age of 30. He's writing this at the age of 90. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so as I talk about and try to answer the question, how do I get there? We're going to hear from a guy who's at the threshold. He's at the threshold between the earthly life and the eternal life. He's at the threshold. He's, he's you know, you know he, he's at a point in his life that no matter what he do, he's just going to go to heaven. You know those old people? You know, some old people sometimes, they, they, they get seen now, they start cussing and, and they, you're going to heaven. You're too old to go to heaven. You're just going to go to heaven. He's at that point. He's at, that, he's at the point that, that it's, it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. And look what he says. Chapter 3, verse 13 through 14 of the book of Philippians. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters. I have not achieved it. Remember, he already wrote Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, 1st, 2nd Timothy. He already wrote practically all of his contributions to the Bible. But look what he says. No, my dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. This was his greatest achievement. It wasn't to write books. His greatest achievement was forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. How? I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Mm. I want you to notice he starts out talking on, he starts talking from the first person, I am pressing. I have not achieved. I am pursuing. But look how he ends the verse. I press to reach the end of the race, and receive the heavenly prize for which God has through Christ Jesus is calling us. He makes room in his vision for everyone else. So today, today, the goal of today's sermon and today's idea is to build in our hearts and in our lives 
the importance of removing every mindset of complacency and encourage every single one of you to walk into a deeper relationship adventure that God has for us in our journey called the Christian life. Let me just say this. Christianity does not end when you accept Jesus. Christianity begins when you accept Jesus. That's what Paul says in Philippians, running the race. Read the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews, which people say Paul wrote it. We're not sure if he wrote it. He talks about running a race. The concept of the New Testament journey as a believer is we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're going to make it. We're on our way to so, towards somewhere. We're on our way to victory. We're on our way. We're not there yet, but we're pressing. Listen to me, church. And so the question is, how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we make it in the midst of everything we're going through? And let me tell you all something. Man, I remember when I was young, it was hard to be a youth in the, seven, in the 80s. Oh, God, it was so hard. We had, you know, we had to battle, you know, you know, my, my challenges was spray painting and, 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 and electric boogie. You guys' stress is crazy nowadays. It's crazy. You guys have to deal with so many things. And the question is, how can you continue to move forward and onward in the midst of all of life's challenges? How do you do this? Here's what I learned in my life. I learned that in life. To get to certain places, I have to use specific means of transportation. Let me, let me, I'll put it another way. There are certain places that you can travel. And to get there, you need to travel only through specific vehicles. Perfect example. I just got back from Panama on Saturday. I was preaching in Panama. I couldn't go to Panama in car. And trust me, I got a nice BMW. I can't, I couldn't drive to Panama. Why? Because there's an ocean between here and Panama. Now, here's another one. I can't fly from here to my house because there's no airport strip in my house. So there are places that in order to get where we need to go, we need to use the right means of transportation. And so in the same way, there are places, young adults, that God wants to take you, but you can't use the vehicle you want to go into. There are places God wants to take us, but we don't set the narrative. I want to go this way. I want to go if it's by these terms. No, to go where God wants you to go, here's what you need to understand. You need to use the vehicle, the instrument that God himself has orchestrated for you. There's a horrible belief out there that there are many ways to go to heaven. And this is why a lot of people are confused. Well, you know, there's a lot of ways to go to heaven. I'm going to tell you there's only one way to get to heaven. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. Now understand this, understand this. When we read that verse, you know, we, we, we have to put that verse in the context of a scripture. When Jesus says, I am the way, He's going back to the Old Testament. 
In the Old Testament, Brother Kalal was talking about building the, they, were, they had so much money and they were raising to build a tabernacle, which by the way, this tabernacle was being built in the wilderness. And here's what's crazy. There was, there was, a, there was, a, there was a tent that covered the entire tabernacle, the entire tabernacle. And once you were going through the tent, you had this place where you wash your hands. It was called a wash basin. You had this place where you had the, the, the brazen altar where you would sacrifice. Then you had the holy place. And then in the far end, you had the holy of holies and no one can go but the priest once a year. And from the moment you entered through the curtain, all the way straight ahead to the holy of holies, there was a dirt road. And you know what was the name of that dirt road? It was called the way. The way, the way, the way. So when Jesus says, I am the way... He's saying, the only one that can take it to the holy place, it's me. It ain't Buddha. It ain't Muhammad. It ain't Hare Krishna. It ain't Scientology. It ain't humanism. It ain't none of that. The only one that can take it to the presence of Almighty God, it is me. And I want to submit to you students, and I want to submit to you young adults, the only way, the only means of transportation to the very place that God has for you is through Jesus Christ himself. You're not going to make it just because you're a good person. That's not, the, that's not the vehicle that's going to lead you towards your... You know how many people do good things? And they think they're going to make it because they give charity. At the light, they give a dollar to the homeless. They give money to the poor. They give money to the church. Here's the truth. There's only one way to get to heaven. And it ain't charity. And it ain't nice being nice. It is accepting Jesus and letting him follow, direct you towards the place you have to go. Now, here's the deal, y'all. Don't expect to come to my house. If you take I-4 and going towards Atlanta, Georgia, you're not going to make it. You got to take the specific route to get to my house. You got to go John Young, make a right on Town Center, go all the way straight, Prospect Buenaventura, on the first light, make a right. That's the only way you're going to get to my house. Don't expect to go to heaven any other way other than through Jesus. It ain't going to happen, y'all. You can't go your own way expecting to get to the place God is calling you. If you don't believe me, man... I want you to read the book of Jonah. God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, to that great city. And I want you to preach repentance. And I will save them people from their sin. And you know what Jonah said? He said, my way is better than yours. And he got on a boat and he went to Tarshish. And he went in contrary direction from the place God originally had called him to go. Thinking he was going to get away from God. And we all know the story. A big fish swallowed him. And after three days, you know where he ended up? He ended up back at the very place God had orchestrated him to go. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter how good your way seems to be. It doesn't matter how great your plans may be. Any plan outside of God's will is a failure waiting to happen. Every time you choose your way, here's what happens. You will bring hell on earth. When you choose God's way, you bring heaven on earth. And many of us, unfortunately, are living through a living hell. Here's why. Because you chose to go your way. You're living in a living hell in your relationship. Because God said he wasn't the one, but you said, but I like him. Some of y'all, you're going through a living hell in your friendships. Because God said, I don't want you in that circle. You're like, but we go way back. 
if your living hell is distorting your walk with God, it's, it's easy. It's easy. Let the fish spit you out and fall back into the will of the Lord, church. So let's answer this question today. How do I get there? How do I get there? How do I get there? Here's how you get there. You get there God's way. You get there God's way. The challenge for many of us is understanding God's ways. He said, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. But the problem with us is that as humans, we often tend to approach life from a logical stance. It's got to make sense. It's got to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, then, then, then I, I, I really have to debate this. But I'm going to tell you, God's way in working towards us is different from our ways. So if you're going to go God's way, here's what you need to do with logic. Logic has to be second place in your life. You cannot go God's way and try to make it make sense in your journey. Because let me tell you, his thoughts are not your thoughts. So I'm not telling you to abandon your logic. No, what I'm telling you is don't allow your logic to abort your faith in your journey with God. One thing Pastor Choco says all the time. He says, understanding can wait. Obedience cannot wait. Because, listen, some things you will not understand until you're walking through the journey. God told Abraham, give me your son. Sacrifice him. Kill him. Sacrifice him. Your only son, the one you love. And Abraham didn't understand. How was it that chapters before, you said you was going to give me a son. And you was going to give me descendants. And my descendants was going to fill the earth. And through my fa- and through me, the families of the earth were going to be blessed. And after you made me a promise of a son, now you want me to sacrifice a son? It didn't make sense to Abraham. Why would you give me something to want to kill it? Why would you give me a son to want to sacrifice? It didn't make logic in a sense. But he didn't go by logic. He went by obedience. And when the son said, Father... I see the fire and I see the wood, but where's the sacrifice? You know what Abraham told Isaac? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. When you walk in obedience, you will see the provision as you're taking a step of faith. But if you don't walk in obedience and you don't want to take a step until it makes sense, you will never experience the fullness of the purpose of God for your life. Understanding Kuwait. I remember 20 years ago, we moved here August 6, 2001. We moved to Florida from New York. I used to work for the courthouse. I was a, a translator for the judges. I was a paralegal. And I was an investigator. I was an investigator. When, when parents used to mis- mistreat kids and abuse kids, I used to go investigate homes. My wife was a caseworker. We was making over over $100,000 20 years ago, combined income. We're doing great. My kids were young, so all the money he was spending it on us. Doing good. Until God told us, Gabby, I, I wanna, I'm calling you to the ministry. And I got a phone call to leave New York, to move to Florida, never lived in Florida, didn't know nobody in Florida. To become a youth pastor of a church in Orlando, and from making over hundred thousand, the salary I got was twenty nine thousand a year. Twenty nine five hundred, let's be exact. 
It didn't make sense. If I were to calculate expenses versus income, it didn't make sense. But I knew God called me. And I knew that when God calls us, his, his calling defies logic. And I told babe, I told my wife, I said, babe, hey, God is calling us. Now, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. I had other options. That same year, I had three other options. Option number one was to move to Florida. Option number two was to be, there's this thing called DYD, District Youth Director for the Assemblies of God. I was, I was offered to be a DYD of New York City. And I was offered to work for the prison ministry of Bishop T.D. Jakes for Megafest. It's all in the same year. All in the same year. I had options. I had a choice. Oh, if I'd have gone with T.D. Jakes, woohoo! Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I remember. And my wife, we looked at the option. Mm, that looks like a good door. Man, this is great. The DYD position, I was going to travel and preach in all the churches in our district. It was just amazing. And God said, nope. God said, nope. He said, I want you in Orlando, 29500 a year. And we said yes. Defied all logic. And we stepped out in faith. Let me tell you what happened that week I came for the first time. Because I stepped out in faith. In one week, I got an $18,500 raise. So from making 29, I was making 48. In one week, I didn't have money. We was looking for an apartment, a, a house to move in. Because, I, you know, I, I, I was supposed to move in 30 days after I said yes. And, and that week, I had to preach at the church, get to know the church. And I had to look for a place to live. And we didn't have money for it. We found a house. We didn't have a down payment. We had nothing. And we went in the house. And we looked at the house. And we prayed for the house. That's a house. And here's what happened. On my way, after service, the owner of the house says, hey, I want you. You're supposed to come to the house. You know, you know, the whole down payment and first and second months, whatever. And I was supposed to give all that money on my way from the church I was preaching to Kissimmee, which is near, on Michigan, by the way. On my way there, you know what happened? God did a miracle. And by the time I showed up in the house, the owner told me, hey, listen, I just want to tell you, here's the keys to the house. You don't have to give a deposit. You don't have to give nothing. Here's the key move whenever you want. This is, this is what happens when you obey God. Obedience defies logic, and it makes room for faith so that God can ignite faith in you to believe. If you did that, you can do this. So how do you get there? Here's how you get there. You get there obeying when it doesn't make sense. How do I know when God speaks to me that that's God? How do I know it's God that's speaking to me? Because that's why many of us are afraid to take that step because we don't know if it's God or if it's not God. How do we know it's God? Well, if we can answer this question, then we will never, ever miss the voice of God. Correct? We'll always know what the right thing to do. We'll never have to take... We'll never have to have that possibility of making the wrong decision because we're 100% convinced that this is God's will for us as I was convinced that that was God's will for us. Leave 100 and something thousand for 29,500. And let me tell you, having all that money in New York, I never owned a house. Making that money in Florida, I had two houses. When you walk in obedience, when you walk when it doesn't make sense and you defy logic and you trust God, God is an expert of showing his mighty hand in your behalf.
So the question is, how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we say, Lord, I am willing to go. Give me a sign. Give me a confirmation. Give me something that will give me the assurance that this is your will of God. Because let me tell you, let me, let me just say this. I believe that as a Christian, as a Christian, every decision you are about to make, you should always seek confirmation. Confirmation. What is confirmation, Pastor? The approval of God's over a decision you're about to make. Now, does absence of confirmation mean that God said no? Does absence of confirmation mean that God said no? Well, pastor, I'm here waiting for God to give me a sign and God to give me a sign. So the question is, what do I do from now until confirmation? Here's what you do. You continue to do the last thing God confirmed you to do. You continue to do what God called you to do. Don't get stuck and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. No, until he gives you a confirmation. What was the last thing he said to do? He called me to serve in the bathroom. Serve in the bathrooms. He called me to clean the chairs. Clean the chairs. He called me to be an usher. Be an usher. He called me to be a leader. Be a leader. Until he confirms you to be a pastor or whatever he's going to confirm you to be. Be the best version of the last thing he has called you to be, church. Because here's a false truth. The false truth I want to share today is this one, that God will answer you right away. That's a false truth. Well, I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. Keep on waiting. Keep on waiting. Here's the truth. God may take his time answering you back, but here's the deal. He takes his time answering you back because the answers from God are meant to bring you closer to him. It's like a child asking his pop, hey, pa, can you buy me those sneakers? Yeah, I'll buy, I'll buy one day. And he comes two days later, hey, pa, can you buy me a sneaker? Yeah, son, I'm going to get it to you. And he comes up three days later, pa, man, I know you got paid today. Can you buy me the sneakers? I got you, son. I got you. It's going to be good. And he's... He's every other day on top of his father for a pair of sneakers. Now, what happens when he gets sneakers? He don't ask him no more. I got it. Sometimes God does not give us the things we want to have because he wants, to, he wants the waiting process to use it as a means to develop your relationship with him. To get to a point that now you're not coming to that because you want a pair of shoes. You're just so into the relationship of coming to your father that if he doesn't give you a pair of shoes, if he doesn't give you a house, if he doesn't give you a girlfriend, if he don't give you the right job, if he don't give you the money, I'm, I'm so in love with the pursuing God that nothing else matters. So whenever God delays in answering something, don't get frustrated. Enjoy it. It's more time you have to talk to God. God, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. But I know you're faithful. And I know you call me. And you know, while you're waiting, wait on him. While you're waiting, wait on him. There's a story in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 3. This guy by the name of Samuel. This guy by the name of Samuel. He was chilling. He was sleeping. And all of a sudden, he hears that God calls Samuel three times. And, 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 and here's the problem. Samuel thought that who was actually calling him was Eli the priest. 
So he'll wake up, go to the priest. Hey, priest, hey, you call me. What's up? I ain't call you. And Samuel will go back to sleep. And after a while, Samuel. Why we always give God that, that, that tone of voice? Samuel. Why can't it be Samuel? <laughs> Samuel. I got to be deep boy, right? Why can't it be a Kevin Hart's voice? <laughs> Samuel, right? So second time, Samuel gets up. Hey, Eli, what's up? You call me. No, I didn't call you. A third time, Samuel. Now, my question is, God, listen, God could have easily told Samuel that it was him calling him all along. The first time, the first time, the first time, God could have said, bro, it ain't, it ain't him, it's me. He didn't do that. He could have saved this guy three trips from going back and forth. But God wanted Samuel to come close to the, listen, the priest, the priest lived in the temple. The priest lived in the tabernacle. The priest lived in the presence of God. So every time Samuel got up, you know what he was doing? He had to get off his bed and go to the house of the Lord. Every time God wakes you up, it should draw you closer. God wanted Samuel to come close. So he kept calling Samuel until he finally understood it for himself. So we need to learn the pace of God's patience. So that what? So that we can match it as it paves his way in our lives. Here's the deal about God and us. God is not in a rush. Because your future is already done. Your blessing is already done. The Bible says that God sees the end from the beginning. So you're hyped. What's going to happen? God's like, it's done already. When is it coming? It's, it's there. So why does he procrastinate? Why does he delay? How, why does it take so long? Oh, he, he's not taking long. He wants you to get, get deeper, stronger in your relationship with him. He wants you to do away with your GPS system and your tracking system. And you're trying to figure out how to get there another way. He said, no, just come to me. I'm the way. That's why Paul the Apostle said, listen, listen, listen. Here's what I'm doing. I'm forgetting all those things which are behind. And I'm moving forward to those things that are ahead. Here's how I'm doing it. My eyes are fixed on the prize. My eyes are fixed on Christ. At the age of 92, he's still following Christ. He's like, I'm not done yet. I'll be done when I'm there. And I'll get there when at the end of my race, he can say good and faithful servant. So, 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 so how far do you go before God gives you confirmation? You're going to continue to go. Listen, listen to me. You're going to continue to pursue God's will and God's road and God's journey until God says no. If God, doesn't, if God doesn't give you no, you keep on going. You keep on going. If it doesn't make sense, you keep on marching. If God doesn't say no, you keep on serving. You keep, listen, you keep on serving. So go until you get a no. And if you don't get a no, keep on serving. Keep on walking. Keep on marching. And when things get dark, here's what the psalmist tells you. Psalms 119, verse 105. He says, his word 
is a light, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word is a light and a lamp. The lamp won't shine the entire path. It's only going to shine your immediate circumference. So every step you take, you illuminate new ground. Every step you take, he, he'll give you more light. He'll give you more insight. Now, here's the deal. You may not know what's ahead of you 20 feet from now, but here's what God is telling you to do as you let his word illuminate your path. Lord, every step I'm going to trust you with me. Every step I'm going to move forward. You may not know if it's 100% foolproof, but I know that I will not stop until I get a no from you and if you don't give me a no I will continue to march forward and I'm going to do like the apostle Paul did I'm going to walk I'm going to pursue I'm going to finish this race I'm going to make it until God's purpose for my life comes to fruition so here's the deal I'm done y'all I'm done the question is this are you willing this this evening to take that step are you willing this evening to say, Lord, if you give me the instructions, I'm going to get there. If you give me the instructions, I'm going to get there. You told me you're the way. I got it. You told me to obey when I don't understand. I got it. You told me to trust you. I got it. And you told me that every step of the way, if I continue to walk until I hear or know, you will continue to illuminate my path so that every step of my life may be orchestrated by you. And I will walk and become the person God has called me to be. So the question is today, are you willing to walk? Are you willing to walk? Because there's a place God has for you. There's a promise God has for you. And I know that. Where God is going to take us as a ministry. Where God's going to take you and us. And let me tell you, we're not defined by building. We're defined by, we're defined by the call. And yeah, we're going to move into this warehouse. And, and I, I, I already see the ramifications of this transition. I see hundreds, if not thousands of students coming and coming to the, I see it already happening. And it's going to happen through you. It's going to happen through me. Everyone saying, Lord, I am willing to go. I am willing to obey. I will. You know, you know what's the best thing God gave us when he gave us two feet? He gave us the capacity to put one foot in front of the other every time we walk. So move forward. You, you might have, you know, this is a phrase we say all the time. You might have jaked. Move forward. You might have messed up. Move forward. You might have stumbled. You know how many times I stumbled as a youth? Can, can I talk about it right quick? Listen, I remember. My wife is not here, right? Okay. I was a player from the Himalayas. Let me just say that. I was. I was. Because, you know, when you're anointed, you, you, listen, listen, you don't have to be. Handsome to be attractive. The anointing attracts. Some of y'all, some of y'all got a boyfriend. You're like, I don't know how the hell am I going out with this guy. He is so ugly. But there's something about the anointing, right? That just makes ugly things pretty. 
Some of y'all guys are like, how in the world did I go out with this ugly thing called a girl? The anointing, baby. The anointing. The anointing makes, you know. So, so listen, listen. I remember, I remember, man, I had a girl in the Bronx. I had a girl in Brooklyn. I had a girl in New Jersey. And I had just started going out with my wife. We was just, I was just going out with Petri. And I forgot to break up with all the other girls. I forgot. I was so caught up into my girl Petri, my, my wife now, that I forgot. And, and one day, and one day we got it, uh, uh, you know, back in the days, churches used to come and visit other churches. And one day, one day the, a church came. Oh, I had another girl in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And one day, yeah, I was, I was an international player, y'all. <laughs> No money in my pocket. I just was just a player. Anyway, hey, 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 listen, listen. And, and I, I just forgot why I'm telling the story. But anyway, my point is this. My point is we go to a service in my dad's church, and out of the, one of the girls from the, came from a church. And when she saw me, because we hadn't broken up, so she treated me as if I was her boyfriend. And I was sitting next to Petri. And she walked in. I was in the front row. She walked in. She was mad. I had to come to church. Hi, God bless you. God bless you. And she sat right next to me. And she grabbed my arm. She said, hi, honey. I was like, oh, God, I bless you. And Petri's right next to me. And I'm like, go get your hand off of me. Devil is alive. <laughs> Crazy. It was scandalous. It was scandalous, and everybody in the church is watching this novella. It's this, this soap opera. Everybody's watching, and nobody cared what the preacher was preaching. Everybody was waiting for after service to see what was going to go down. I don't know what the preacher preached. I'm like, Lord, how am I going to get out this mess? And I remember the service was over. I went outside, and the lady was, and the girl was like, "Hi, Gabby." Uh, listen, man, I, I got nothing to do with you, man. She was like, I just, I just, I flew in from Puerto Rico to come see you, and da, 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 and I sold my car, and I spent my money to fly over here, and I'm not going back without you, and and I'm like, oh Lord, have mercy, and 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 in all this, in all this, you know. Now here's the deal, <clears throat> I had told my girl, my wife today, my girl, that you know, about this Puerto Rico chick. So thank God when she saw her, she was like, all right, you kind of told me, so I'm cool with that. So I, cu I cut that real quick. I cut that relationship real quick. I cut, I cut everything. As soon as that happened, I say, I, I, I had a call. I, you know, back in the day, we didn't have speed dial. We had a phone book. Y'all know about a phone book. Okay? So I had to call all those girls. Listen, it's over. I'm done. It's a wrap. I don't want to know nobody. I got my girl. I'm straight. It's a wrap. But, 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 my parents were my pastors. And so they saw all this drama. And I got in trouble. I got in trouble. And I went through my process. I'll tell you another one. Remember that? You like those, huh? <laughs> tell you another one. You know? My father used to drive the church bus. So the, you, know, we, you know, back then people used to pick people up in the church bus. So we had a route and there was a lady, you know, she, in the bus and when she, got off, when she gets off the bus, she left her wallet. I was, I was maybe like 9, 10 years old, maybe 11 years old, maybe 12 years old. <laughs> maybe 19 and a half. 
remember, I remember, I remember she left the purse and she got off the van and she went home. And Curiosity Act told me, open the purse. And I opened the purse and she had like her rent money. It was like five, six hundred dollars. This is, this is 30 years ago. Five hundred dollars 30 years ago. It's a lot of money. So I had a Gabby dressed in white here and a Gabby dressed in black here. The Gabby in white said, Gabby, don't touch it. The Gabby in black said, party, 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 party. <laughs> you know what I did? I listened to black Gabby, the guy in black. And I took the money and I spent the money. And I took, y'all know about the projects. And I took the purse because I had to hide the purse. So I took the purse. Back, back in the projects, they had these, these heaters. So I took the middle part of the heater, I took it out, I put the purse in, and I closed the heater, and I just went to spend my money, right? But my mother decided to clean the house one day. And she's mopping, right? And one of the strings of the mop got stuck with the heater. So when she pulls off the thing, the wallet shows, the purse shows up. Now bear in mind, my father had made an announcement about a week ago, and Mano, uh, Sister Maria lost a purse. Bada bing, bada bam, bada bing, bada bam. Um, can we raise a lot for offering to help her pay her rent? The church paid her rent. And the pastor's son has stole the money. I got caught. When I got home and I saw my mother with the purse in her hand. Oh, my word. You know what she did? I had to go to the church. Next service, stand up in the front. Pass his kid. My son Gabby, this, this, that, third, and the third, apologized. I had to pay her back. And I had to go through my process. Why am I telling you all these stories? Because none of those things that I did stopped God using me the way I, he's using me today. Those things did not define me. But those things God allowed me to go through them so that I can value where he was going to take me so that now when I'm here, that's not an issue. So I don't know what, what drama you're going through. I don't know what issue you're going through. I don't know what you don't post that you can't. For, but I'm here to tell you, if you allow God to take you by the hand and let him guide your steps and let him usher you towards where you have to go, you would be surprised that until he doesn't give you a no, just keep on walking. Hold him by the hand. Trust in his promises and let him make the best version come out of you. So I'm not standing here because I'm perfect. No, I'm standing here because when I didn't know which way to go, I said, God, show me the way. I jaked in this area, show me the way. I did that, show me the way. But it takes humility. It takes humility to say, you know what? I'm lost. I don't know how to get there. And so students, young adults, let me charge you today. When you don't know how to get there, just follow him. Follow him. Paul at 90, he said, Philippians chapter 2. I'm not where I ought to be. 
here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fix my eyes. You know that phrase, fix my eyes in the Greek? is the, oh my God, I know it's Spanish. You, you know when, when horses are about to race, they have these things that cover their eyes? Those, those, those little things here? That's fixing my eyes. I don't want to see what's in my right. I don't want to see my peripheral. I just want to see straight, straight, straight. I'm not going to look how strong the horse is to my left. And the horse is, I'm fixing my eyes on Christ. So I'm going to run. And I'm not going to give up. And I'm not going to give in. And I might have fallen. And I might have stumbled. And I might have made mistakes. But he's not done with me. So students, I want to pray right now. Would you please stand if you'd be so kind. Would you please stand. I want to pray for those of us who are willing to say, Lord, I'm jacked up, but I'm, I'm available. Lord, I'm not perfect, but I know you are. Not only are you perfect, but you are perfect in all of your ways. And help me to align my walk to your walk. Psalms 119, 105. Thy word is a light my feet and a lamp to my path. You know that that scripture is how people used to walk in the desert? Which I'll give you a homework. Read Psalms 119. It's the longest book of the chapter of the Bible, but read it. The reason why it's long is because every, every paragraph addresses, addresses the Hebrew alphabet so it starts with Aleph, which is Alpha. And it talks about, then it starts with the second letter, B. And it goes all the way down to the last letter of the alphabet. Because that's how they used to learn Scripture. People used to learn Scripture singing it. You know, like A, B, C, D. That's how they used to learn. So they used to turn Bible Scriptures into songs. And that's how they learned the Bible. Long story short, when you read Psalms 119, Psalms 119 is all focused on the Word of God. The importance of God's Word. And he says, your word is a light and a lamp. In the times of the Bible, they didn't have light posts like we have today. So when you was walking from one town to another town, there was a wilderness. There was a desert. There was dark roads. So they would take lanterns. And they would walk with it. But when it was really, really dark at night, instead of carrying the, lamp, the lantern this high, they would literally, literally carry the lantern this low to their feet. Because you know what would happen at nighttime? Scorpions would show. And snakes would show up. But whenever the snake and the scorpion would feel the heat of the fire, they'll run away. Run away. And that's what God's word is for you. God never promised that come to Jesus and the serpents won't come. And the vipers won't come and the attacks won't come. No. He said, in this world, you will have much affliction. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And now, how do you, how do you walk this walk? You don't walk it in perfection. You walk it surrounded by snakes. And surrounded by vipers. And surrounded by the enemy. And temptation. And stress. And philosophies. And everything that the world is saying that it's okay. But when you have that light on your feet. The word of God on your feet. He'll give you enough light to protect you. But enough light to give you direction. So if you want prayer today, I don't know if you're here for the first time. If you're here for the first time, you're a friend here today. Let me submit to you that you are, without God, you are walking nowhere. 
I used to have membership at a gym. I always try to get rid of this gut. And I quit because, you know, I went to this guy. Hey, what I need to do is my stomach. Oh, you first need to run. And I don't like running in treadmills because I feel like I'm running and I'm not going nowhere. If God is not in your equation, you're running life on a treadmill. Or you're moving, but you ain't going nowhere. You're sweating, but you ain't going nowhere. But when walking with Jesus is your main focal point, one step, will take you farther than 20,000 on your own. So I want to invite you today to make the greatest decision of your life. Because next question is, next, next sermon's question is so important. Which is, and what do we do now? What do we do now? Well, walking with God will give you the capacity to answer that question. So every eye closed, every head bow. If right now, this very moment, you are willing to take a step of faith. Like Abraham did. He said, Lord, I'm going to obey. You're willing to take a step of faith and say, Lord, I am willing to walk. Not my road, not my way, your way. If that's you all over this room, every eye closed, every head bowed, the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand like a rocket to the sky. And I want to pray with and for you. Don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. At the count of three, if you want Jesus, lift your hands. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hand. I see one hand. I see two. I see three. To the glory of the Father. Come on, church. Put those hands together. I see four. Put those hands together.